I've always felt different. I've always seen things, but when I tried to express them as a child, I was always told to ignore it. There were people that I didn't know that came to me and said, I have this message that I keep getting that I have to deliver to you. All of a sudden, out of the shadows, a homeless man just jumped right in front of me, and he said, I'm a soul just like you. I love it. I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. We're all part of this amazing soul wave tapping into each other. This was a major life changer. You are a light. You have helped me a ton. Thank you. You've given me the courage to live more from my soul. Millions of people are awakening. So wake up with Michelle Miche. Be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help, personal growth, metaphysics, and spirituality. The soul path of awakening. Understand what living awake is. Hello, Radiant Lights. Welcome to the program. So great to connect with all of you today. We have a really special program today. I'm really excited um, because you know how I feel about being in non-duality, being able to take in information um, from many sources. Ah, So um, our guest at the second half of the program is James Hogan, and his book is Idiot, the Toxic State of Public Discourse and How to Clean It Up. So we're going to be diving in, talking also a little bit about tribe and tribalism. I want to get his take on current events and ways to navigate. So we're going to get another point of view on this. If you're new to the program, welcome. I'm Michelle Mache, and it's absolutely wonderful to have you a part of this program. Um, hello to everyone in the chat room, also known as a sacred space of empowerment. Listen to that, sacred space of empowerment. It's your power to do with your life what you feel is needed and necessary. Um, they also help really ground the energy. I consider them my co-pilots, co-hosts, and they also let me know how my sound is doing. So I do appreciate them. Um, callers, if you're online or if you want to get online, maybe you're in the chat, and you want to, you have a question or a comment, or you just want to say hello, that number is 347-539-5122. That's 347-539-5122. And you can listen by phone, you can listen, you know, obviously later in the archives, um, but right here, right now, chat, phone, or computer. However, if you do want to get on air live, you do need to press 1 on your keypad. That lets me know on the switchboard. So I'm going to give you that number again, 347-539-5122, and please press 1 on your keypad. Um, you know, guys, I like to keep it real here. Uh, I'm just getting my – I haven't had my decaf Americano or decaf – I guess it's really more of a kind of an almond milk latte. A long time at my house. I'm having it here. I've been out and about in the mornings getting inspiration uh, from my writing and just connecting in, um, which is a little bit of, I want to share with you a couple things, and we're going to get to callers, so probably get to callers sooner than later uh, today, because I do see that we have quite a few people in the queue, so let me get my little almond milk. Get your tea, everyone. Get your tea. Get your coffee. Wherever you are, whatever your your favorite beverage is. Um, yes. Okay. In the chat, how's everybody doing? 
Can you hear me in the chat? For some reason I'm not able to. Let's see, how is my sound in the chat? I'm not able to. Uh, every time they do little upgrades here. Okay. All right. Welcome everyone in the chat. Also, and again, callers 347 539 5122. Press one on your keypad. So, a couple things I want to mention. I do have um, an upcoming workshop. It'll be by Zoom. I'm going to start doing some metaphysical workshops on, and also workshops on tarot, numerology, psychic development. Why? Because you asked for it. You know how I like to listen. I like to answer the soul call, and the soul call a lot of times comes from people, right? comes through people. Um, so that's something that interests you. You can email me, or you can actually go on soulplayground.life, uh, look at the events. Um, workshop section. The first one, the tarot, is coming up on let me see, what is it? September 19th. And it's tarot uh, as a mirror of your soul and soul path. So we're going to really look at, in psychic development, so we're going to really look why does tarot work, which I do want to get into something because I'm just so amazed at the um, connection I'm having with people um, not just on Awakening podcast, I do love you. There's such a great connection here. And when I do readings, um, so many of you email me or call back in and let me know the accuracy or how it's supported you on your path or helped you uh, navigate or given you clarity or insights. Um, but also on YouTube. And I'm just amazed at how sometimes people are saying, oh, i prayed for this, or it sounds like you're talking exactly to me, or this is exactly what I'm working on with my guides. And I'm going to say it again, it's when that happens, that's because you are a good transmitter and a good broadcaster. We transmit what we need and want. That's, that's also why we tend to see what we want or what we believe. We tend to have, not, well, all of us are going to have good days and bad days or even go through months and years of what we would say hardship or difficulty. That's the traveling the earth plane. But within that, your experience can be less severe, austere, or less hopeless, depending on your mindset and what you see and feel, most importantly what you feel and what you transmit, what you put out there, you'll receive. Now, whether you're open to it. So, we really are like we are these satellites that are beaming signals to each other and to um, and to and from a main satellite source energy all that is the ultimate source that's infinite but there is an aspect of that source that we are able to locate ourselves in and tap into right so someone had sent me, Jessica, shout out to you, had, had put a um, full appreciation comment on YouTube and had put literally what she's going through, with, which is exactly uh, what she's actually going through, what I said, what, what came in the channeling, um, channel, because I do just open. It's the cards, but I don't really even need cards. I, I use cards because it's fun and it's visual because it's YouTube. 
Um, some of you know my story of how my gifts developed. I, I'm going to keep it brief, but it ties in here. Uh, it's kind of an ex showing as an example of how we're not just denser physical body or surface mind or the part of us that's thinking or analyzing or even perceives that it's intuiting. We're way beyond that aspect of us. Um, but growing up psychic, I was always psychic. I was channeling at a young age, um, just new things, intuitive, connected to the spirit realm, ghosts, people that had crossed over, just knowing things. And that was kind of fine and dandy. That was kind of interesting. And I did a little training and a little studying on that, you know, throughout the years. Um, and then about my mid-20s, all of a sudden, I just started having these experiences of just, many of you know the story that this group of energetic beings just showed up, okay, in my artist studio, my healing office. And I started getting all this information, and I was woken up every single day. This happened for a few years, I think two year, about 18 months, two years. I was awoken at 3 a.m., and I would start writing. I would just get these downloads, and I would hear, you're going to meet this person, and you need to give them this information. And sure enough, that person would come to me. Or you're going, I would do this workshop or this class or some kind of group activity and I'd get this download the next morning and they'd say, you have to call this person and tell them this. Or the next time you see them, you have to tell them this. Every single situation that this happened, the person always said, I've been praying for this. I've been wanting to know this. How? There's no way you could know this. Or this is confidential. This is important to my legal case. You know, and I was so stressful. But it was always a prayer. This is the key note here. There was always, a, I've been praying for this. I've been wanting to know this. How did you know? I said, I channel. I just tuned in. I work with these guides. You know, this is what, this the oversouls, the spiritual hierarchy, this group that guides. Um, so it's aspect of source energies. I work with spirit, God, source as well, getting information through my higher self. Um, but this was very specific. It was like people being guided on their path. And it took me a lot to just go with it and just listen and call people or, or when I would see them again, give them the information. Why I share this with you is because they were broadcasting something. They needed something. They asked for it. They prayed. They asked, they were working with guides or their intuition or God or prayer or putting it out there in the universe, however you want to put it. And then what happened was word got round and I started getting calls from people all over the world. I mean, it was just, I got to tell you, that was just an amazing experience. Um, I worked very little at the time because I had money saved from modeling, so I was able to do this. I think I took some odd jobs here and there because I didn't want to deplete my savings, and I needed to get out of the house a little bit. I just remember people calling me from all over the world, and I would just tune in and da 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 give them information. Sometimes I would use tarot, you know, later. I learned tarot later. I learned tarot later and the other forms of divination, numerology. I started studying that and the Kabbalah. I mean, I really started going on more of this divination path, adding that to my spiritualism and metaphysics. 
Um, and then this woman finally, this astrologer, Newport Beach, said, oh, you're really good. How much do I owe you? And I said, oh. And then, hmm. She's like, yeah, you don't charge? And I said, I've just been showing up and answering the phone. <laughs> I haven't thought for, is this what I'm going to do? Oh, she said, so, so, you're so great. You're accurate. You should charge. I'm like, oh, what do I charge? So that was how it first evolved. But it's sending out. And why I share this with you at 1212, the synthesizing energy download, is because it reminded me today of that I was working before I came here. I was on my computer, my iPad at my, at my cafe I love going to. And oh, first of all, getting there, because I thought, oh, I want to just nip out before the podcast. I wanted to go another place, but that was further. And I said, okay. This time what I did is I expanded my awareness. And whenever I do that, and there is a meditation for free. I, I think it's on my soulplayground.life in the meditation mindfulness. If not, it's on YouTube. It's the ascension meditation or alignment meditation or focused. Either, either one of those will do it. It's the same. Um, or you can get a you know, wherever you download MP3s. Um, I think on my Meditation for Everyday Living, it's this meditation. It's a focusing and alignment meditation and aligns you to your higher self. In fact, when it first came out, I, I got people responding to me and saying, oh, I feel like I'm just out there when I do this. I think it's like 13 minutes. Or like, I think I, I feel like I'm just out there, like way out there. And I'm like, well, that's why. It's to extend or expand you out of, duality basically as much as possible to connect into the higher self or higher frequency or divine mind or higher mind or infinite intelligence and I was reminded what was happening was I totally let go driving there and I went another way that usually has a lot of traffic there was no traffic I didn't hit any light it might be only like half a mile away it's not far but and then I got this message. I saw myself parking in this one spot, and sure enough, I did. And then everything fell into place, even coming back. And it reminded me of these early meditation processes I did. And actually, I did them in, in my um, metaphysical classes at Agape Spiritual Center, as well as my meditation class that I taught there, where you, what we call externalize, you get out of the focus of, your beta consciousness, your surface mind, lower mind, the everyday mind where the ego resides. And that part of you knows what's ahead. It's already there, right? And that's how we're meant to start navigating our life. That's what's being spirit-led, soul-fueled. That's what's connecting into the higher self. It's not something outside you. It's you. And I remember in the early days when I did these processes, I was able to see down the hallway or out in the parking lot who was driving in. Now, mind you, that sounds very like, okay, Michelle, you're psychic. You can do remote viewing. Sure, easy for you. No, I taught this in my agape meditation classes and metaphysics classes, and other people were able to do it also because if you think about it, that our body is like it's our avatar. It's not completely us. It's us, but we're more than that. We reside in the subtle energy. Not just 
a foot to two feet, three feet, six feet, eight feet around us, what we call the aura. But miles and miles. It's just that's what's happened when you remote view. That's what happens when I channel. I open into that seamlessness. I expand my awareness, my consciousness as much as I can, you know, by being in this earth body or earth suit. So these are some of the things I'm going to be teaching and talking about and supporting on my Patreon circle. Um, I thought of that today. I thought, oh, I need to let people know some of the stuff. Now, why this is fun? It makes, but the thing is, makes life even more magical. And you're accessing more aspects of you. You're connecting more into, um, Tammy, I love that when everything falls into place. Yes, yes. Yeah, so this is where we're all going anyway, living more like this, telepathically, being able, because it's just aspecting or accessing, rather, these more expanded aspects of our being and living more and more from that place. Not just in a reading, not just on awakenings with Michelle Mache podcast or in a, in a workshop or retreat, but every day you set your day, your tone like that. That's the high vibrational. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days or ups and downs or sad or angry or whatever or strategizing or planning, but you begin to live more and more from that aspect of you and more and more consistently and continually falls into place even when you're going through difficult times, even when you're going through challenges. You're able to navigate towards that. Plus, what happens is it, it creates new neural pathways in your brain and you start living more that way. And it energetically begins to rub off on those people around you and into the ethers, into the community, into the race consciousness the mainstream consciousness, and then we have that up-leveling, that upgrade. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff and you want to journey with me, the soul journey with Michelle, uh, you can connect with me on Patreon on Soul Path Journey with Michelle. If this is some of the things you're interested in learning and developing within yourself or yourself or your family, and I work with a lot of people that do this with their children. Their children are meditating. Their children um, are able, have these skills now, the, the mastery. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. So if that's something I want to let you know, okay, you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, my YouTube channel. Love to connect with you more there. Subscribe, get the notifications and also on Patreon and, of course, Soul Playground Doubt Life. That kind of lets you know what's happening. Um, I promised to do that. I had some people email saying I don't let people know enough. So I'm going to integrate that more. Um, also, I want to give a shout-out to Maria, um, who emailed me and uh, put her question best if she calls in. Maybe she's calling in today. Uh, but she said, your videos speak so much to me as if your readings are my answers that I ask my guides. Love it. Uh, she's calling her, uh, writing in from Montreal. So she's part, you were, Maria, you were part of the inspiration today for me to tune in and what was I going to be sharing about? What? And then obviously I had this amazing experience and I'm like, you know what? I have to talk to everybody about 
not collapsing into their energy and only living from the egoic, you know, being out of that non-duality as much as possible. Um, the dual nature is fine. That is a part of the earth plane. But we do need to kind of extend out of that. Otherwise, it really limits what we experience, and it limits us ultimately. It limits our viewpoint from which we view, which limits our point of view. Because it is very possible, and I'm sure our guest is going to get into this, um, that proverbial to see both sides of the situation, or all sides, you know, of getting out of that black and white thinking, over-focus on the binary. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's get to callers. We've got the first caller here. Hello. Welcome. You're on Awakenings. Welcome to the program. Hey, Michelle. Brendan. Hey. Brendan, hey, Brendan. Welcome. I had a question regarding when do you see me getting full-time employment? I've been unemployed um, since February, and I feel like I've been doing everything in my power, you know, networking, um, reaching out, applying, applying, the right opportunity has not come yet. Well, now, Brendan, this was for you to expand into the higher consciousness. I feel like you, I don't know that it's full-time employment for you right now. I feel like you're bridging into something new. Your higher self wants you to. It might be a little bit of a risk. So I would say right now it looked transitionally because I don't feel you're going to stay with what you're doing. No, so it's part time or okay. I I don't. I mean, it's just a it's just a means to an end because I'm going in, I'm in grad in grad school currently to get to my passion and my purpose. But the the full time job is what I need in terms of stability and being able to financial part. Mhm. Yeah, I know that's what you think. I, I I I say that with love. The thing is, I don't see that right now. So if I feel like there has been jobs around you you could take, and you need to just take something that fits for right now, even if it is like in other words, a job is better than no job, right? Because I feel like you there's some graduate school. There's something else you could be doing now. I don't know if it's writing. It could be something with working with people. There, there's something I feel that you already have training in that you could already be doing. Is that true? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I I feel like I haven't gotten any direction or signs or answers to um. Okay. That might mean... But see, sometimes the full-time job or being busy with something doesn't allow us to do that deeper, to get the deeper connection, to get that flash of insight or clarity or intuition. So it may be that it might be pinchy or tight right now, but you have some money coming in with some kind of job, whether part-time, temporary, so that it forces you to, because I feel like you're meant to do something else while you're going to graduate school. What, what is your what is your um, what is your degree in? What is your undergrad? It's a master's in clinical mental health counseling. I want to be a licensed therapist. Okay, and what can you what what can you do with that now? I can't do anything until you're until I'm licensed. 
Right. And you're in school right now? Yes. Okay. See, I don't know. It might be volunteering. It might – there's something else that your your higher self is pointing you to. So I know it's difficult. I know that – Part of me knows this so well, but I've also been there. I've been on that side where you need the income, but nothing's happening. And it's a a leap of faith. Well, it's a leap of faith in yourself and your higher self and God and the all that is or your path, however you want to term it, to not just go for the money, to go for what is even more in alignment to what you want to do. Who knows? It could be coaching. Maybe you're meant to take a coaching class and do start coaching right now while you're working on your graduate, you know, uh, degree. You know, maybe the master. You know, see what I'm saying? Some you really have to listen because sometimes we have a vision in our mind of what something is. I know for me, I did a program years ago. It was Jungian psychology and spiritual healing. We did uh, Jungian dream therapy. I had to I had to work with a Jungian animal, and I love Jungian work. I love Carl Jung. I love his work. I love that um, approach. But what started to happen, which I didn't know would happen, in the big in one part of the program. In my therapy, as I was saying how I hear voices or I see things or I know things, all of a sudden it was begin, began to be turned on me like, well, that's delusional. How do you know that? Or that's creating fear. All of a sudden the clinical aspect, the psychological clinical aspect came in in a very traditional way. And I was like, oh, and you can't do that. You can, Michelle, you can't. So, you know, for me, I'm not saying this is for you. I'm just giving this as an example. It was looking like what me having visions and what I see and do was beginning to put me in a little paint a picture <laughs> from my mm-hmm. uh, teacher and counselor and, and her supervisor that maybe I was mentally unstable, which I'm absolutely not. I'm so grounded and I have the skepticism. But what did help is that everything that I saw and predicted ended up coming true. Mm-hmm. Like at my time, like at the time, I saw my boyfriend cheating, and I saw the whole scenario. And she's like, you know, that I was being delusional, and impaired, you know, this and that, and issues. And then the two weeks later, I come back and go, oh, he admitted it, he did cheat, this and that, and that exactly where it happened and how it happened. And she's like, oh, then I don't know what to say. All of a sudden, I got yanked out of that program and into massage therapy, studying anatomy, physiology, um, physiotherapy, subtle energy work. I went in a whole other direction. This is what I was studying in London. And it ended up out allowing me to stay longer in the country because the new program that I went into and what I was studying allowed me to stay in the country longer because it had those the, the units the, that I needed to qualify as a student. Um, and even while I was studying at the University of London, and that didn't even qualify. There were it was all these different programs I was involved in, but they didn't add up like this one program. So it kept me in the country. I learned so much, and then I went into this whole other area. And even my teacher, my mentor, was shocked. She was like, "I was like, there's the star, you know, pupil." She was mentoring me. I was her, her mentee, and I, her words, I showed a lot of promise. And so she thought I was going to go beyond the two-year program, and I, I didn't because of my inner guidance. I listened, and it, 
in so many ways, it ended up being exactly what I needed. So, uh, Brendan, I feel like you're at that kind of crossroads, but I can't answer what it is for you. All I can tell you is right now, it's like what is whatever is being offered, take that because there is more soul searching. The world is changed, changing and changed, changed and changing. There's something with your direction of what you're going to be doing or how you're going to be working with people that's changing. And so you can only assist that by going within, right? Right. And, and I think this has come up for you before. And I know it's a challenge because especially it's like, oh, I need to do this and I need to, you know, I get it. But, I mean, I'm only the messenger. And that's what I'm seeing. Right. I'm not seeing right now full-time employment, you know. And, again, I'm about 97 98% accurate, so I can be wrong. But I'm feeling like there's something else you're meant to be doing even if you are doing grad school, you know, even if you are, you know, in a program, there's something else you're meant to be doing and looking at it in a different way, a different approach. You know, sometimes okay. we're more ready to do what we're, what we're going to do than what we think. We think we need more schooling, you know. In the oh, time, I remember before I did hypnotherapy training, I went to hypnotherapy school and did, I did, you know, regular and then I did medical uh, hypnotherapy, um, which that opened a door too because I got my uh, advanced degree in that. I became a fellow uh, board member. Anyway, it opened doors, but I, I was going to do more counseling training, get a certification in a different type of counseling. And my dad said, Oh, honey, haven't you done that already? And I said, oh, I'm just trying to get some. And he says, well, but you've already done that. Don't you have that? And I thought, God, he must have been listening to me because, yeah, I do. And I, so I didn't do the program. And then something else opened up. So I'm not saying do the program. I don't do the program. But I'm saying the reason that the doors have been closed for so long is because there's some alternative way to get to where you're going. And you need to kind of feel that out, tune that in. I don't know if it's volunteer work. I don't know if it's doing you know, some type of coaching program so you can start now. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, integrating healing, you know, but, but there is some inner process that you're being nudged towards, and that's why the other is not coming in. Uh-huh. Right? All right. Yeah, sometimes you're high, and you've got to remember it's, it's you. It's the true you. It's your higher self. That's the thing. And many of us, especially starting in 2017, have been blocked from certain decisions or going in a certain direction um, or it just have, it's, it's working out in a different way, a different form than what you originally thought. Because, again, your higher self sees miles to years ahead. It sees where things are going also in the economy, in what people are going to need and want, what's going to work, you know. It's seeing far beyond our goals. You know, it, it obviously takes our dreams into account and our visions because that it comes from there. But there might be a slightly different route or something that you need to, to bring in or integrate at this time. Okay. So I hope that gives some clarity. It does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hello. Welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. 
Hello. Hello, you're on air. Hi, it's Maria. Maria, is it you? Hello. Yes, from Montreal. Hi. Oh, I'm so glad. I actually... So I wanted to know, am I on the right path with, like, the person I'm with for so long, well, so long, six years? And, yeah, that was my question. Okay, let's see. All right. Good one. Let's reframe that, Candy, because I'm feeling like are they, it's not are you on the right path with them, but are they part of the path, because they're, they're right for right now and in the past, but are they going to be a part of your path coming up? That's more what I'm hearing. Are they to be on your path? So there's something about your individual path right now. You're getting clarity about your, it's interesting, dreams, goals, visions. You may be wanting to make some changes. Um, are you feeling a little bit stuck or held back is what I'm hearing? Yes, indeed. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yes, we were apart for two years, both seeing each other, and I decided to actually say yes to, like, he let's asked, try let's it again. Okay. I asked that, well, okay. he asked me to try again after two years, and I actually said yes. And I was wondering if I did the right decision. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like somehow he pulls you off center. Does that make sense? Pulled me off center? Yeah, off your uh, something off. Let's see. What's the best perspective you're to take? It's as if the carpet came off under my feet. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he does that. No, and I think it could happen again. Why is that? What's going on with that? He unsettles you. That's why I think that the higher self was saying she needs to ask the question as, is, is, is he meant to be on my path? Is he right for my path? Not the path together. In other words, we all have our individual path. It's like walking on a trail. And then somewhere we share our path with someone and they share their path with us. And so we always have our individual path and then we have the path we co-create together. So why is it I feel he throws you off? What's going on there? There's something that is very unsettling or you're uncertain or you're not sure where you stand. Um, Yeah, you start doubting yourself or second-guessing. Yes. (laughs) That's true. All of this? Okay. Let's see. how. Let's look at how. Because I feel like no matter what, you're going to give him a chance. Again, you're going to give it a chance. So let's look at the best approach to take. It says to be a bit open. See, it's saying wait and see and don't put all your eggs in one basket. Let him kind of prove himself. Let's see where he really is and what he really wants and what's the potential. See, you like to jump right in and lock it down. And now we're a couple, we're doing this, we're doing that. We have this path to get. Nah, your higher self is you got to do it a different way this time because otherwise it's going to be what, it's going to, it's going to recycle to what you experienced before. Interesting. Thank you very much, by the way. 
You're welcome. Does this give some clarity, some insight? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Good. You're so welcome. Thanks for calling in. Yes, have a nice day. And continue your good work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will. Thank you. feel so blessed. Hello. Welcome to the program. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? This is Christine. Christine? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Yes. Now I'm calling in. Hi, Christine. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, I have a question. So I always say mention your videos, but I actually have a follow-up to one of your um, readings from YouTube because it was so accurate. And one of the – because I'm an Aquarius, so this was from, I think, the August air sign video. Yeah. And um, you – or we're talking about how, like, I'll, we'll be, like, working more in community with a group of people, and that's been, like, so on the nose. And I'm actually working, mm. I'm starting a company, um, there's four of us, and you literally listed the sign of each of the people that I'm working with. It was so spot on. Yeah, like, you literally were like, I feel like it'll be Capricorn and Leo around you and Sagittarius, and those are literally the three signs of the people that I'm working with for this company. And I was like, whoa, this is so spot on. Um, oh, I love so, it. Yeah, so cool. And so I'm wondering, I want to kind of know where it's going, but also like most of us, all, all three out of four of us have full-time jobs while we're also starting this company. Um, and I've been wanting to leave my full-time job for a while and it, I, I know that I shouldn't probably leave right now just because it's so new, and but I'm just trying to figure yeah. out how to balance everything because I really want to put more energy into this because this is definitely where I'm feeling more of a resonance, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to jump the gun and just go full force into it and then just leave behind what I'm already doing, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, very much. Yeah, so I'm wondering very what wise. that timing um, Yeah. You're coming into this phase that many, many people that are hearing the soul call uh, right now, like a lot of times when there's chaos, if you even look through history, there's chaos, creates, you know, confusion, chaos and confusion comes new order and creativity or creativity first and new order. So we could look at it metaphysically, we could look at it through history, and what happens is, you do have to balance a lot. So I wish I could say that you're not going to have to. You are, because you're still in the old, not, and it's kind of like what's happening in the world, being in the old paradigm, the old dynamic, but then the new way is coming in. So a lot of people are getting very excited and inspired because they're seeing the opportunity. They're, they're, right. People are feeling and seeing all this energy floating around, all these pieces, puzzle pieces, and it's like, oh, my God. Let me catch that one and that one, and I'm making my own little puzzle over here. So I feel like it's at least in the next year. I feel like it is going to grow more and take off. But I feel like what I'm hearing from spirit is um, you'll wind out of one and, and be able to spend more and more time with the other. Now, I do feel there could be funding or money coming in from some source. So I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it's a loan or a grant or somebody talks to someone yeah. and someone gives some kind of 
Yeah, what is that? Because I do see funding. Well, there's a, there's one thing that we're hoping kind of goes through today. Um, there's a company that I think would be hiring us for more overall content creation. That sounds more steady. Oh. It'll be like coming in steadily. Um, and that we're supposed to have talks on that agreement today. So I wasn't sure if that was something oh, that was going to go through. Oh, I think that's – okay, let's see. Well, something's coming in where there's, there's money coming in. I can see that. Yeah. So if it's not this yeah. company, it's someone else kind of quickly. It may not be enough that everybody leaves what they're doing, but it shows it's going to be showing you're in the right direction. So I feel like there's going to be more of that kind of trickling in bit by bit. Cool. cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're definitely on the right track or on the right path. Absolutely. Okay, okay cool. Yeah, that's good confirmation. Like, we're we're not trying to put all of our eggs in one basket. We're just trying to be open to everything that's coming in. But that is one that is kind of floating. It's been floating for the last month, pretty much. And so, mm, finally, there was okay. talks about settling it today. So, if that comes through, that would definitely be... <laughs> A good confirmation, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I do feel like a lot is going to move um, this this month. In fact, between this month and the end of the year, there's a lot up. There's a lot of unrest. <laughs> there's a lot of – there's going to be a lot. <laughs> and a lot of individual movement for people that have been lining up their own little dominoes. And, and some things might be a little kind of freaky shocking – um, but again, it's like navigating the course. Like, I don't know if any of you've ever done sailing. I love sailing. I took sailing lessons. Um, you know, you may be going someplace. I'm in Southern California, yeah. so maybe we're going to Catalina. But if the weather changes, you just have to adapt. It's not that you adapt the, des- the a destination changes. But you have to reroute or the GPS. Oh, construction, rerouting, rerouting. Turn left 500 right. miles, you know, 500 feet away or whatever. So that's where I feel you're at right now. So the destination is okay. there. There may be some shifts and changes in the navigation. Right. All right, Christine, okay, cool. thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Hello. Welcome to Awakenings with Michelle Mache. You're on air. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. It's Khadija. How are you? Hey, Khadija, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. You've been so spot on on YouTube. Like like so many other people have said, I thought, well, let me call in. Um, and oh, I'm, I'm in glad. And thank you for your appreciation, too, though. You've been contributing and giving Absolutely. appreciation in that way, and that's just been so lovely of you to do that. And, um, and I can feel your energy sparkling, so I just want to – extend my appreciation for that well thank you I can't wait for my private reading but in the meantime I thought well let me call <laughs> because I'm thinking about <laughs> making some career ch- yeah some career changes and I was wondering what you see or what you hear okay Now, that's very interesting because you said see and hear, and I saw two things, and they were both different. One was stay the course for now, and then another was a vision. So I feel like there's something that you want to do that's going to take a little more research. 
because mm-hmm. I feel like it's big changes. It could even be lifestyle changes. There's some, it's not just career, job. There's something that more that's coming in. Um, now, do you travel a lot? I'm getting something with travel yeah, around I you. Yes, I usually do travel a lot. A lot. Okay, because I think that's in fact, coming I back in travel. for you. Do you? I see. I feel that oh, wow. coming back in for you. Yeah, you've got quite a creative mind, Khadija. Um, yeah, I feel like you have the funds, the resources. You have stuff that is, that you could do this. So, um, spirit is saying, and your higher self is like, just give it a little time, but you are going to make the change. You are going to make the changes. There's something wow, completely wow. different, completely different, completely new coming in for you. That is so. It's cool funny. I was talking about because. Is it? Okay. Just because it, it is total confirmation because, yeah, not only is it a career change I'm thinking about, it's a total lifestyle change. And so, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And I do know I need a little yeah. time just to kind of let it all come to me. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. It's definitely um, – in fact, what's interesting that I was talking about a boat, although I don't see it in Catalina, I don't know, it could be Greece or Europe, I don't know, someplace that has these – pretty rocks on the, uh, along the water. Um, could be also Italy. I don't know. I feel like there's some major travel, not just the United States, but um, whatever you're doing is affording you to be able to, to travel or travel as part of what you're going to be doing. But that I do see so it very awesome. successful. And I, do, and I do see some investments that you're going to be making um, that you kind of – hear about research and then you get this like pull the trigger it's like a flash of insight and it's going to be very profitable so you have a very profitable year coming up for you awesome awesome oh michelle you have just given me some additional information i cannot wait for my private reading thank you so much and bless I love this. I get to live vicariously. You know, I'm like, whoa, wow, this is, like, really cool. <laughs> I am so excited. Oh, me as well. All right. Well, um, we've got a great Thank guest you. coming on. Uh, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. Peace. Oh, yes, in the chat. Haley, yes, love her excitement. Mine or hers, I'm getting excited. I get excited by what I see. It's so interesting. Again, people answering the soul call. Again, I know it's rough out there. It's scary. It's uncertain. It's all this. Not just metaphysics and psychic. I can write, obviously, do my predictions and what I see and how it's going to all turn around. But we just only have to look at history to see how things do turn around out of chaos and confusion. There becomes creativity new order, innovation, invention. So if you're feeling that the time is now, then that is your nudge. All right, it is time for the second half of our program where we have our awakening dialogue. Uh, We have today with us best-selling author and president of an award-winning public relations firm, James Hogan, is with us. James writes and speaks widely on propaganda, communications, and tribalism in the public sphere, Uh, keying especially in on the lessons that have to do most with his recent book, I'm Right, 
and you're an idiot. The toxic state of public discourse and how to clean it up. Welcome to the program. James, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And I love, I love the name of the book. (laughs) It tends to get people's attention. Oh, yes, 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 because we've got uh, quite a lot of that happening right now. And um, either people are joining into that or other people are very gun shy and just going, okay, I'm not saying anything. I'm just disappearing from the conversation right now. (laughs) So I'd like to get a bit of your background, um, like how you came to write this book, what what you were seeing, obviously, first and foremost, but also where did you come from? Where, Where in your life, what has your main focus been? And then what was the turning point to say this is important for me to put this, you know, pen this and, and put this out there. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you for uh, for having me, and thanks for that question. It's uh, <clears throat> I think important to understand people who people are <laughs> before you start listening yes. to them. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. My um, my background. I'm uh, a Canadian, and I owned a big public relations, successful public relations firm that does work internationally for most of my adult life. <clears throat> I started it when I was in law school, so I'm a, a law school graduate, and uh, I was asked onto a board of a an environmental group in Canada, the David Suzuki Foundation, which is this, is a very, David is a famous Canadian scientist and environmentalist and a close friend of Al Gore's. <clears throat> so I ended up getting onto the board of the Suzuki Foundation, eventually becoming the chair, uh, and also becoming the chair of the Climate Project when Al Gore set it up in the Climate Project Canada. And I, um, I'm really not much of an environmentalist, but when I get invited onto a board, I read my board package. And if some famous environmental scientist comes to our board meeting, I I pay attention, I listen, I learn. And I started to become really alarmed at how it is we know so much about these environmental problems that we're causing and that we're doing so little to fix them. And so I started looking into it, and I, uh, you know, th- this idea, like, you, when, you, when it comes to the environment in particular, we're basically listening to each other shout rather than listening to what the evidence is, is telling us. And these are, you know, the more you learn about these problems, whether it's, you know, destruction of ecosystems or the acidification of the ocean or warming of the climate, the more um, concerning it is. And so after a few years, I became obsessed with with this question mm-hmm. of why aren't we doing more? And that got me mm-hmm. interested in misinformation and disinformation campaigns. Mm. Which is how I came now to Now how long ago did you notice this? Now how long ago did you notice this about the misinformation disinformation well, uh, campaign? You know what? I, I've been in uh, in law school when I started my firm. It was in the 80s, and uh, you know when when you're in the public relations business, you're well aware of misinformation and disinformation. 
<clears throat> I think I became more aware of how widespread and well-organized it was maybe 2005 or so. And um, mm. what really concerned me was that it seemed to me that what, as I learned more, uh, that the, the misinform the the strategies and the and the techniques for misleading people about the environment or about uh, science around environment and climate change was much more robust and and these misinformation people were actually way better at misinforming people than the mm -hmm. scientists were at educating, which yeah. concerned me even more, you know, and I thought, like, how is that possible? You know, I mean, it's, to me, it's so obvious. Well, that's because I've been reading these board packages and books and, and learning about it. And most people, you know, aren't in that position where they have all day to do that. And right. uh, so that's, that's how it kind of evolved in my mind. And do you think, um, I mean, I, I'm recalling a conversation I had. One of my mentors was married to a um, former FBI um, I guess, director, yes, director of California. But he always said that for something to be good misinformation or disinformation, just like a, a con, it had to have some element of truth. Have you found that, that there has to be something? Otherwise, people tend to reject either sometimes statistics or things that have only truth or only lies. That there has to yeah. be some kind of hook there. Yeah, th th I think that's true or, you know, that at least it appeals to kind of our sense of reality. Mm -hmm. um, what, 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 I, what I found was that, uh, and this was uh, a real revelation for me as I, was, as I started to write this book. You know, I just decided what I would do is just go around the world and interview people who I thought were super smart, social scientists, mm -hmm. political scientists, even spiritual leaders. I interviewed Joan Halifax and Thich Nhat Hanh and the Dalai Lama. Uh, and so I interviewed social scientists and spiritual leaders and just asking them what they thought was going on. Like, why is it we know so much and we're doing so little? <clears throat> and the quite quickly what I came to realize was that right at the heart of, of propaganda is it's not disinformation or misinformation or lies that's the problem. It's tribalism. Mm, so I if I can that. convince you, if I can convince you that this, that, that that is not something that people like you and I believe, and if you do believe that, you can't be one of us, you must be one of them then you will start to believe a whole bunch of things on your own without having mm -hmm. me to convince you. It's hard, it's hard to convince someone that something that is true is false. It's a, it's a very difficult mm -hmm. thing to do. And one of the best ways to do that, one of the, and, and this, the history of propaganda shows this, is in division. You otherize, mm -hmm. you otherize mm -hmm. people. So, so environmentalists become radicals. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Democrats become, uh, you know, become socialists. Or so the and the idea behind that is 
creating an us versus them way of thinking. And when you, um, one of the guys I interviewed for my book was a fellow named Jonathan Haidt who studies uh, moral psychology. And he says that people are tribal by nature and that we kind of naturally divide into groups and sometimes unite against other groups. And that when you, when you engage in the psychology of, it, of team membership, uh, open-minded thinking shuts down. And so that mm-hmm. is really the heart of the problem of uh, uh, propaganda is tribalism, division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, psychologically, it, it, it hits the belonging button. People right. want to belong. And especially, I don't know if you've noticed this in your research, but people that have, tend to have issues with that growing up and didn't get that healed or handled right. tend to become the most fanatical because that button is really, you know, it's, it's raw. Um, let me ask you because, you know, and I wrote down tribe versus tribalism because there is this whole idea of, finding your tribe and and who you connect with, and there can be a lot of support there. So there is an upside. There is a benefit. And then, of course, there is that negative shadow that can go all the way from division to us and them to, you know, they're evil, they're bad, you know, there's a, a spectrum what's the difference or what, how would we turn this idea of tribe or community without you know, going into the us versus them and even, you know, further on that spectrum where it's even more detrimental. Yeah. And how and do that's... people navigate <laughs> and how do people navigate that? Because some people don't get caught up in that. And so there's something there is there is I feel like there is a way out of it. I don't know if you if you thought of that or research see that. What what is a way to not have that getting caught in one, you know, one loop yes. or the other, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of the essence of it, that question. And it, that mm-hmm. was the hardest thing for me to understand because, you know, mm-hmm. if you're right about something, that's different than if you're wrong and trying to convince people in a dishonest way that you're right. <laughs> you know, that that was the way I yes. thought. But it actually, yes. as, I, as time went on, it's actually not that simple. And I mean, there is right and wrong, and there is there are facts, and 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 the lack of facts, and there is evidence, and the lack of evidence. Uh, people do believe false things, and other people believe true things. Um, <clears throat> where, um, let me just try to figure out how to say this really quickly. So, it, there is a, one of the fellows I interviewed. Uh, um, his name was Roger Connor. And he teaches at Vanderbilt University in uh, in Nashville, and he teaches kind of conflict resolution. And he's an ex-environmentalist, you know, sort of a he describes himself as a name him, blame him, shame him environmentalist. That's what he was when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And he became a lawyer, and then started to get more interested in how you find common ground and work with people you have differences with, and started to study it more. And he said that. Uh, good people do bad things for good reasons. It's completely possible mm. that someone is dead wrong about something that is a really dangerous idea and is still a good person. 
but if we don't mm -hmm. see that, there's a chance that we can fall into what he called an advocacy trap, which is this state of mind where <clears throat> uh, people don't like to be uh, disagreed with when they take a position publicly on something that's really important to them. So someone takes a position, they do it publicly, maybe they're in the newspaper, so everybody's kind of watching them. So they're investing a lot of their time and reputation into the position they take. And so someone that comes along and disagrees with them. And, right. And so you first will, you know, try as an advocate to correct the person uh, and, um, you know, get the facts out. But if they persist... And if it's aggressive and uh, you feel very strongly about it, you eventually start to see them not as just wrong, but as a wrongdoer. And you slip into this advocacy trap where it's like a battle between good and evil. And you become more, almost more interested in defeating the other person than you are in the initial thing that you were trying to accomplish. So it's possible for someone who's totally on the right side of an issue to actually become part of this effort to divide people, but even if they're right. So you can actually be, I mean, if I'm right, which I, I, I think that there's a good, there's a lot of people that I talk to that convince me that I'm correct on this, that, that if at the essence of what's going on in the sort of the breakdown of uh, the public square is this division as opposed to misinformation or incorrect information that you can divide by the way you disagree with someone even if you're right you can also divide mm. by, in the way you disagree if you're wrong so so the idea behind compassion and and I mean compassion in a sort of a practical down to earth sensible way not the sort of bigger more spiritual value of that which is even more powerful but just in a very practical way just knowing that you have no idea where that what that other person has gone through what kind of the world is full of people who have suffered various kinds of trauma and people who people consume false ideas and propaganda and spread false ideas and propaganda uh, unconsciously and so the other person can be a totally good person, but be just dead wrong on something that's really important that they, they should be right on. <laughs> anyway, so as, as advocates, we have a tendency to fall into this advocacy trap. And my, my view and the view of a lot of the people I spoke to is that we need to figure out a way to overcome that, our, our participation in this process of dividing through through more empathy and compassion. Mm. Yeah, I could see that because as you were talking, I thought, oh, God, I could see myself sometimes even doing that, you know, um, the advocacy, let me tell you, let me share with you, let me show you why it's this way or that way. So, and again, that is a slight, you know, it's not so harsh, but it is a slight, um, you know, us and them, it's that pitting. So in a way that it, it reminds of the Buddhist way of being in that, that middle way, that middle road, um, just standing there observing, you know. So what would be some examples of action or even mindset, even before the action or the verbalization of something, the mindset that would be helpful 
Um, and by the way, we're getting so many people in the chat saying this is so beneficial, especially at this time or in this climate. We've had a lot of conversations about this. I'm so glad that you're um, on the program, James. Um, so cause to me, it starts already in mindset. I'm not, I probably have to correct my mindset and then also how I respond or what I verbalize or my action. Yeah, I think part of it is kind of a self-policing because it's a very counterintuitive mm-hmm. way to look at things, right? That even though you're mm-hmm. right about it something, is. that you could actually be, be part of the problem, right? When it has exactly. nothing to do with yes. the, whether or not you're right, right? I mean, that's, a, that's like, yes. what are you talking about, exactly. right? So, yeah. so, so it, it was, I think part of it is kind of self-policing, but it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, and and uh, I think it's also in the way you understand what the disagreement actually is, the context of it. And so I don't th- I think the worst thing we could possibly do is ignore all this and just walk away. Mm. And, I, and I had this un- unbelievable experience where David Suzuki and I were invited to have tea with the do- with the, sorry, with Thich Nhat Hanh when he was in Vancouver a number of years back. And uh, <clears throat> so the Thich Nhat Hanh's people asked me to facilitate this conversation between David and Thich Nhat Hanh uh, about the environment. Thich Nhat Hanh's a big environmentalist, and so we were talking about the environment. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh <laughs> said to, to David and I, he said, you don't need to tell people they're destroying the planet. They, they, they know they're destroying the planet. You need to deal with the despair. And and I, and so I, and he was trying, he said, you should meditate and then you'd be much better warriors for the environment. And so I thought he, I thought he was saying that we should, that we should just kind of like, you know, stop all the kind of activism and, you know, become meditators, maybe head off to the, the, um, the Zendo or whatever. And so I said, you're not saying that we shouldn't be activists, are you? Environmental activists. And, uh, he looked at me, he was, he was, I was sitting right beside him, so he was like about two feet away from me. And I don't know if you've ever met him, but he has this kind of look. I have, I did, yeah. Here's a retreat I mean, it was like he ago. was like, he was like, he it was looking right into my soul. So it was kind of terrifying. And he was looking at me and he said, speak the truth, but not to punish. Mm. Speak, the, speak the truth, but not to punish. Not to punish. And so, wow. So I, uh, so this was right at the end of we'd been sitting on this stage where there was a number of his monks and nuns, and some of the people at the Suzuki Foundation, maybe fifty people, and we were filming this. And uh, and so the filming was over, and I stood up, and I was, you know, waiting for him to walk down the stairs from the stage. And my, I get to the bottom of the stairs, and my wife says, "You heard what he said, right?" Speak the truth, but not to punish. And uh, and I realized that I had just been given a Zen koan by Thich Nhat Hanh. Because mm. when you think about what does that mean? Like, what, 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 what does it mean? He's not saying be nice to people. He's not, he's not right. saying don't, don't offend people. He's, he's not saying don't disagree, don't stand up for what's right. He's saying do it in a way that is about... Um, that is about the truth more than yeah. it's about defeating the person who disagrees with you. And 
you know, this is not that new. You know, the golden rule, you know, uh, Karen Armstrong, when I introduced her, she said, we must fight, we must speak out against injustice, but not in a way that causes more hatred. Remember what St. Paul said. Uh, remember what St. Paul said. Um, Charity takes no delight in the wrongdoing of others. And mm. so I kept running into people saying these types of things. And, and then I ran into, I, I saw a show with uh, uh, Marshall Gantz, who's this famous uh, you know, public uh, activist training uh, guy from Harvard. <clears throat> and he was being interviewed on PBS and he, or on, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, PBS. He said, um, I can't, he said, I have no time for people who think there's too much polarization. What we need is more polarization, not less polarization. Less polarization is what you get in Russia or North Korea. Democracy mm. means polarization. And so I thought, wow, this because he was the biggest chapter in my book. I phoned him and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, Jim, you, you need to ra- read Rabbi Hillel. And I said, who's Rabbi yeah. Hillel? And he said, well, Rabbi Hillel was, a, was alive at the time of Jesus, but he didn't have as good at marketing people. And, mm-hmm. um, and Rabbi Hillel, in the, Gantz sent me all this stuff, writings from uh, people about Rabbi Hillel. And so Rabbi Hillel made this argument. It's very similar to what Thich Nhat Hanh said. He said that there's, there's argument for the sake of heaven, which is argument that's designed to get to the bottom of things, to get to the truth of the matter. And there's argument for this that's designed to demolish and defeat your opponent. One of them is a, is a good kind of polarization. It's a good type of argument. It's a good type of debate. And the other one is not good. And so what I yeah. realized from all of this is we really need to learn the difference. We need to become better storytellers and disagree about the right things and not get caught up in this polarization that's being designed by propagandists Mm -hmm. to divide people. Yeah, you know, James, as you were sharing this, I I really could see this. I I really had the thought that, um, I mean, even within the oneness of everything and everyone, there is a dual nature. There, you know, there's masculine, feminine, there's, you know, the electrical, the magnetic, you know, the the plug, Perhaps what it is is our ability to tolerate it or see the other side, which ties back into your passion and empathy. Because we don't we don't want robotic, every homogenized, you know, that everybody thinks and feels the same. Because that, yeah, that is what you have in um, dictatorships or other types, you know, um, types right. of let's say lifestyles. <laughs> I was going to get regimes, but. But maybe it's the, you know, we're not, and you did say it earlier, we're not, it's counterintuitive, we're not, where we really are wired and we're taught, it's more of a teaching to not like the differences or differences throw us off, or if I have a difference of opinion, then I'm somehow subtly saying you're wrong, or your opinion or way you're seeing it is wrong. You know, there's that idea that we have to have this group agreement um, which ties back into that belonging. So there gets to be this fear, right? If, I, if you're not thinking like I'm thinking, 
Mm-hmm. And how can I really know you or control you or control the circumstances? So as you're, you know, relaying this story, I'm thinking, you know, it's hitting me like, well, maybe it's the tolerance. I go back to Buddhism. It's the tolerance. It's the compassion and the empathy. Because I understand that. You, we don't, the polarization, we've been looking at it as something bad or detrimental, but it is human nature. Right. So then it goes back to how do, what's the approach or how do we develop that, that the tolerance or the ability? Because I've seen people that can't even hear the, another point of view right. without their head exploding. You know? <laughs> right. And that's the symptom. And, and weirdly, that's the symptom on both sides. Now, let, let me use an yeah. example let me, of climate change. So when someone says climate change is a hoax, that's false. Mm-hmm. There is unbelievable amounts of evidence that that is completely false. So, right. so the idea, see, to me, what I realized about all of this is that arguing with somebody about facts when they think that climate change is a hoax doesn't help. I tried it. It doesn't work. I tried it many times. And, <clears throat> but part of the reason for that is when you, when you drive the uh, public square, when you drive the public into these high levels of polarization, of tribalism, where people, mm-hmm. where, where really unyielding one-sidedness is kind of the, the dominant emotion that's kind of driving people's sense of reality and their willingness to admit they're wrong and, you know, all the normal things that people should be doing is when they think. Right. You have this unyielding one-sidedness that just takes all, that's like a type of toxic pollution. And what it does is it actually removes the space where you could actually even disagree with someone. So there isn't even a place to disagree. That's right. It's not safe. Yeah. That's right. So, so the, so, so, so the job is not to start arguing and, and, and pressure the other person with your facts and evidence and whatever. The idea is to just create the space so that you can have the conversation. And I think that that takes place from the heart. And right near the end of when I was writing my book, I interviewed the Dalai Lama. And after the whole interview was over, we were standing up and we were leaving, and he pointed at my forehead. And he said, we like to think the Western mind is more sophisticated. But in Tibet, we go with the heart. And that might be stronger. So maybe if we take you know, the Western mind and the Tibetan heart together, we can be more successful. What we need is more warm-heartedness. And to me, it's that, so you can almost feel it, right? It's, it's trying yeah. to, however you do it, it's trying to get to that, allow the warm-heartedness to create the space as opposed to slipping into what really is not that different, you know, than hate, you know, that, those, those terrible feelings that are so exhausting for all of us that mm-hmm. we need to really... We need to culture our ability to speak the truth, but not to punish. So that's basically what my point is. Yeah. And so, wait, could you say the toxic state of public discourse and how to clean it up? Um, what are some of the ways 
to clean it up. I think this is a, a book that people need to have. It's a good reference guide because, you know, even me, as much work as I've done or inner work, I could, as you were talking, I'm like, oh, I could see little areas where, you know, I've created some adverse, if not even reaction, energy around something. Um, what do you, okay, a couple questions. Let me, let, what, what does it mean to create the space? What does that look like? And coming from the heart, maybe an example of that. And then some of the ways that you're, you've, you've, through your research or interviews that you've seen that this cleaning up, how would that look or potentially? So, so in, a, in a conversation, um, like one of the things that Jonathan Haidt told me when I asked him that, pretty much that question, he said, mm-hmm. well, that one of the things uh, that research has shown is that acknowledging, mm. acknowledging what the other person, trying to acknowledge something positive about where the other person is coming from. So you're basically trying to, wow. you're trying to get people to sort of relax the anger and the defenses. And so the idea, okay. and it, or, or you know, Thich, the, Thich Nhat Hanh, he basically talked about uh, deep listening. You know, mm-hmm. the the idea that you 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 go to someone and you say, look, you know. I, I have something to apologize for. I, I haven't been listening to you, and I care about our relationship, and I want to understand what it is you're trying to say. And, and, and so I, 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 I'd like to listen, and if you're willing to share with me what it is you're concerned about, then I'd like to listen. And if the person kind of feels like maybe you might be sincere and they start to uh, unburden themselves of whatever, you, you just mm-hmm. shut up. You don't, you don't mm. correct them. You don't, you don't uh, um, uh, confront them about errors in what they're saying. You just leave that for next week. And you just listen mm. with one purpose, which is to, this is what Thich Nhat Hanh said, you listen for one pur- purpose, and that is to let the other person unburden their heart, empty their heart. And you, so you just listen. And the idea is that in that as I understand it, that you start to construct the opportunity to eventually have a conversation when the trust is rebuilt Mm. and the space is rebuilt. So that's what I mean by recreating the space. Do you know what I mean? It's it's when when we're so Mm -hmm. kind of... um, This unyielding, this feeling of unyielding one-sidedness doesn't allow us for the other doesn't allow us to let the other person even open their mouth hardly, right? It gets so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's true. People yeah, are like, teaching, they talk about it as the horse that's braced to go, you know, or oh. braced. <laughs> <laughs> it's my turn to talk now and say my side. <laughs> so there's a, I have to, there's a, there's a woman uh, or, or a, a group uh, out of uh, Berkeley that I would recommend to anyone who wants to look closer at this. Who she started? She's a psychiatrist who started a group called Smart Politics, and she actually does training for people. So you know, you spend ten or twenty dollars for these workshops, and they do them online, and you can go in there, and she will coach you on how to speak to your kind of grumpy old uncle about whatever. And uh, because it's her her name? 
Jane, uh, what was her name? I'm so embarrassed to you say remember? this. I know her first name is Karen, and I can't remember her last name, but That's I know okay, for sure that yeah, I know for sure that the okay. the group is uh, uh, Smart Politics, and so if you Google that, you'll see her. <clears throat> and she's she had a um, a uh, I I came across her in the New York Times. There was there was like this little bot that she. It was like so. If you Google smart politics and even Google the New York Times and the sort of angry uncle bot, I think it's called, and and it, it you can walk through the process of this conversation with your angry uncle, and it it tries to coach you in how you actually have a conversation with uh, someone that you're in sort of a highly polarized state with. Uh, but anyway, she she is someone that that is doing really good work in this area. And I, I would encourage anyone who's interested in this to, to explore it because it's, I, I found Thich Nhat Hanh told me about speaking the truth but not to punish about six years ago. And let me tell you, I'm still working on it because I have a tendency to not be very tolerant of really crazy ideas, you know, about mm-hmm. climate change being a hoax caused by the Chinese or whatever, right? Yeah. So, guilty. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm guilty, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think That's what saying about the advocacy role. I was like, oh, which to me, it's also the teacher role because I can get into that. Like, oh, it's a teaching moment. I got to, you know. Right. The teacher in me goes, oh, you've got to stop this misinformation and put them on the right track and give them the right resources, Oh, James, this is such good information. I mean, the chat is buzzing about it also. Um, because this has been, I mean, obviously, personally, in my practice, this is coming up with certain friends. Uh, but also, we've got, I've had, you know, a lot of callers and people even on social media that have asked, what do we do? Most of the people I know have have, have taken the get-out-of-it approach, you know? Like, right, right. Don't go there because you don't want to get into polarization and the arguing. But then at the same time, you know, people have been very stumped. Like, do right. they just not? Because that doesn't anymore? feel comfortable, right? It doesn't no, feel it comfortable. Doesn't. It's certainly not Buddhist. You know, Buddhism is like walk toward it. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not have an argument with it, but it is like don't run away from it, right? Yeah. Well, this has been. I'm going to the Himalayas in the cave. This is that's what this has been. I'm going to. <laughs> You know? <laughs> right. And yeah, the, and you uh, certainly can't blame anyone for that. That's a lot of good things have happened in the caves in the Himalayas, right? Yeah. But by the way, which is part of the, I know, part of the issue, or the problem or issue, if we want to say, is that not knowing what to do and then creating that factionalism or tribalism where now I'm going over to my group and my area and do not come over here because I don't know how to deal with this. I don't want the conflict. Um, what a spiritual practice, though, that you're suggesting with the listening and not even having the conversation yet until there's actual trust and that person feels really heard. So that means somebody has to show up with with the bootstraps uh, pulled up, you know, in the meditative state. You have to be in the... <laughs> present moment not being triggered to hold that space to show up in that way especially if the other person isn't you know in that space they're in a more combative um right you know space so um doesn't surprise me you talked to the dalai lama and Khan and 
Joan Halifax because it's going back to meditation, being in that state of awareness or oneness or create, allow the space, um, like the deep listening. Um, let me ask you a person, have you tried any of these approaches and have they worked or how have they worked? Yeah, I, I, uh, so I have, I took, uh, when Thich Nhat Hanh was at uh, UBC, I took a week-long uh, meditation retreat course with him, mm-hmm. like a silence course. And so the, I was learning Soto Zen. And I've, you know, I'm, I've been going to the, uh, the um, uh, Green Gulch Zen Center off and on over the years for a long time. Uh, I also, I used to teach Transcendental Meditation a number of years back. Uh, I've taken courses from, I took the Kala Chakra course from the Dalai Lama, and I've taken meditation courses from him and from Robert Thurman and from uh, uh, Ralph Menser and others that, so over the years I've, I've sort of evolved a number of ways that I, I meditate, and one of the things that one of the things that really helps me is um, meditation that uh, meditation that shows the kind of interconnectedness of things. Mm. And um, I live uh, on the Gulf Islands, just off the coast of British Columbia, and you know we're in nature, surrounded by the ocean and forests and animals and you know so it's easier here i think than it is for some when i when I lived in north vancouver um but i i find that you know i find that uh that it, it, i i still struggle you know because i think that mm-hmm. it's one thing like i could just go meditate and i'm sure i would feel way way better but yeah. i i kind of feel like um i've been given a job <laughs> You know, and so so part of what I have to do is sort of speak up. You know, I can't I can't go around just listening to people say that climate change is a hoax when I know it could destroy life on the planet as we know it. And so I sort of feel obligated, and so that means that you have to face these these kinds of this these high levels of unreasonableness, and you need to figure out a way to to deal with it. And and I'm not. You know, it's. I'm not saying that it's easy or that somehow I have, you know, discovered the sort of elixir to this because you know I would certainly wouldn't claim that. I I feel like I'm a work in progress, but I kind of know what the job is. Mm-hmm. And so I keep and working at it through meditation. have you seen somehow? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're all in a work of yeah progress. And in fact, I put in the chat, oh, more meditation for me. Um, you know, moving into that space. Um, when these kinds of, you know, I don't know why I didn't think of that, when these kinds of topics come up or, you know, discussions. Um, uh, one of my great meditation teachers, Gormai, said anyone, and Muktanand, anyone can go into the Himalayas or go to a cave and find peace and calm. The, the real, you know, spiritual is a spiritual war is you do it in your everyday life, your everyday living, you know. Right. So, um, the right. ashram, or when we're in the silent retreat, that's all. Yeah. It's easy to be <laughs> namaste and namaskar, you know. It's, <laughs> um, but you have seen, I would imagine, 
that deep, like you talked about the listening. I think that's so profound. And you said about building the trust, like not even going there in the conversation, waiting to have that. <laughs> have you witnessed or experienced some kind of understanding or turnaround or meeting of the minds or at least a melting of the harshness? Yes. I guess that's the yeah, thing I've, I don't like. I don't like the harshness. Yeah, no, and I, and I, have, I have seen that. And, I, and a lot of mm-hmm. it, you, you, can, you can either cause it or, or you can diffuse it. You know, and I, so I think there's mm. this, there is this question that I think that like, a, I think it's kind of like a dominant moral question for everyone today. And, and that is to be asking yourself, am I diffusing or empowering the division? Because mm. we ultimately, when you really get down to it and you have time to think about it and you're not fighting and arguing about it. We are all in this together. There's, there's just no way around that. And so whatever it is that is trying to undermine the, the way we, our relationships with each other is wrong. Mm-hmm. And whatever is trying to build those relationships uh, is, is a good thing is a good effort. Mm. And so it seems to me that that's what we should be in the business of, regardless of whether or not we're right about climate change and Donald Trump is wrong about it, right? So, right. you know what I mean? So fighting with Donald Trump is not going to help. I mean, fighting what Donald Trump stands for is going to help, but not, you know, I, I love Jane Fonda because she I've heard her say when she was being arrested one of those times in Washington recently that she doesn't hate the person. Because yeah. you don't know what kind of trauma that person has gone through. You have no idea what it is that made them who they are. Uh mm. and you but you may hate what they stand for. That in fact it would be wrong that you don't know the difference between what's right and wrong when it comes to some of these things, social justice issues and environmental issues. So, but it, but it seems to me, so for me, I think meditation helps me. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it is, uh, it's been, you know, it's a way, because you really do need to take care of yourself because this is yeah. exhausting. Yeah. It's, this is exhausting. Yeah, it is. It is. Constant. Oh, James, this is great. I'm hearing from you. Build a bridge and not a wall. That's confusing <laughs> or... Am I diffusing or empowering the division? Gosh, thank you so much for being on Awakening. This has been truly enlightening. I just, I rarely use that word, <laughs> but this has been some such beneficial information and very, very enlightening. Um, I know you're very busy, so I thank you so much for taking the time for being on the program today. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. Come back anytime. Okay, thank bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, that was James Hogan. Uh, Boy, what's beneficial information. His book is I'm Right and You're an Idiot, The Toxic State of Public Discourse and How to Clean It Up. I think it's something we all need on our bookshelf and not to just leave it there, but take it off and read it. Um, Thank you all, White Calla Lily, Tammy, everyone, Art, Angie, Bob, oh my gosh, Ashley is in there, like Kelly Lily, there was other people that were there, Brendan, all the people that called in, all the people in the chat, 
thank you also that will be listening later in the archives. I feel this, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I don't get in the fight. We've lived the fight for thousands of years of empowering the division. The new wave is more the spirituality and everyday life and living. So anyway, feel very blessed to have had our guest on the program. Again, it was James Hogan. His book is I'm Right and You're an Idiot, The Toxic State of Public Discourse and How to Clean It Up. I think it's a must. And also that he brings the spirituality and spiritual awareness and spiritual tools in there as well as the principles. Um, all right, everyone. Um, have a beautiful rest of the week. I will see you here next week. In the meantime, continue to shine your light, share your insight, and of course, keep awake. I'm getting woke and staying woke. Awakenings broadcast every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Archive shows available on iTunes. For continued awakened conversations and insights, join the Awakenings group on Facebook. And check out Michelle's blog at soulplayground.com. And keep awake. Are you awake?